It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> Welcome to Land Sharks After Dark, a podcast about the Ole Miss Rebels. I'm your host, Justin Sanders, joined as always by my vivacious co-host, John Stefanzik. John, what's up, man? Vivacious, that's quite the word, but uh, everything's, Lively. everything's good. It is Patriots Day here, which, I, well, for the nation, but I guess here, as I have discovered in Massachusetts, it's like, it is a much bigger deal than the rest of the country. It's the the Boston Marathon today. Fortunately, it was, like, it was cloudy and rainy most of the day. I was going to go over, go on the other side of the river and check it out, but with it raining, I figured I'll just wait. I got another year up here, so I'll go check it out next year. But catch it next year. That's exactly. fair. All right. Well, uh, Landsharks After Dark is a proud member of Rebel Sports Radio, part of the V Sporto Network. Um, of course, you can follow Rebel Sports Radio on Twitter at Rebel Sport Radio on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Rebel Sports Radio. Uh, we're recording today, as always, in the Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi studio. Uh, and they got another spring cleaning tip for us this week, John. So sit back and enjoy this next lesson in cleaning up your diet. This week we're going to talk about uh, cleaning out our pantries a little bit. So grab your trash can, head to your pantry, and uh, we want to get rid of anything with trans fat. So that's products that claim to be trans fat free but actually still are partially hydrogenated or fully hydrogenated oils. Um, also, why don't you look for kids' breakfast items. Dump all cereals with more than 10 grams of sugar or less than 3 grams of fiber per serving. Uh, another thing to look out for is Pop-Tarts. Uh, they contain over 40 ingredients. That doesn't sound good. Uh, if you can't pronounce something in your food, you probably should not be eating it. Uh, it's just a couple tips for more healthy living articles and advice from Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. You can visit bcbsms.com. Remember, everybody, it's good to be blue. So we're going to get into a little bit this week, uh, maybe a bit of an abbreviated show. There's not too much going on in the world of Ole Miss athletics, but of course it is still baseball season, and the baseball team continues limping towards what looks to be a right around 500 overall finish. Uh, they stayed true to form this week and went 2-2, two to 2-2, two, uh, two and 2, excuse me. Um, started out in the midweek with a pretty huge win over a pretty bad team in UT Martin. Uh, final score on that one was 11-1. to Kobe Bortles hit two home runs. Sykes Orvis hit one. Uh, Bortles had his second grand slam in less than a week. Um, so you kind of hope that you know maybe a little offensive confidence coming out of that Vanderbilt series last week. Hope maybe they could take that into uh, SEC play this weekend on the road at Auburn. But that was not the case in game one of that series. Uh, the game was pushed back a couple hours due to weather. Got started around 8 p.m. Central Time. Uh, and Ole Miss never really got the bats going in that one. Final score was 3-1. to one. Um, Pitching on Ole Miss's side did a, a fairly good job holding down Auburn's best hitters. Um, but just no runs could come through. I don't think that last run was even scored until late in the game. Um, two games played on Saturday uh, due to bad weather coming through on Sunday. So... Uh, they played a doubleheader in game one. Ole Miss um, did a pretty good job of, of timely hitting. Um, Austin Knight had a career-high four RBIs. Uh, at Ole Miss won seven to two. Um, Bramlett didn't go too deep in the game. Uh, and even on the other side, Auburn's pitcher, uh, Keegan Thompson, I believe, who's a pretty um, renowned ace from everything I was hearing this weekend. Uh, apparently he's a big MLB prospect, but he left the game even earlier than Bramlett did. I think it was the second inning, maybe something like that. But Auburn pitching did a pretty decent job of um, holding Ole Miss down until later in the game. But in the end, Ole Miss scored a lot more runs. Uh, and, you know, you hope that it, kind of like the UT Martin game, that game would inspire some offense uh, in the second, the last game of the series, which started – uh, 30 minutes after that one, but that was not the case. Ole Miss got even less going in Game 3 than they did in Game 1. Uh, could not score run on the day. Will Stokes um, did not follow up his performance last weekend uh, with anything too convincing. Ole Miss lost that one 14 to nothing. 
Um, but I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch some of these games this weekend, John? Uh, really, it was just more of the same, what we've seen all year. Yeah, it was. Actually, I caught uh, I caught the entire uh, first game on Saturday, essentially. I was doing some work and had the game on the background and then went out and was running. Went out, ran a few errands, whatnot. Apparently, didn't miss anything in the second game on Saturday. Was it? Was it no, I, I turned off. Fourteen nothing. It was, yeah, fourteen. Uh, the funny thing is, uh, I saw some people reporting that it was ten nothing, but it was actually fourteen to nothing. I think they just stopped watching the sixth or seventh inning because yeah. there was nothing happening. Yeah, yeah. Final was fourteen. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it gets to go through the week in order. Sam, uh, Sam Smith threw the ball really well against UT Martin, which. We yeah. typically you would take an Ole Miss midweek starter going against UT Martin and pitching well for granted, but this year with wins at a premium and and the and the offensive inconsistencies of the team, going out there having good performance and then putting eleven runs up was big. I mean, as we've talked about, you look at conference record a lot, but really with the way this is set up, it really just overall wins is was what it comes down to. Because if Ole Miss is going to get above five hundred, they're going to win enough conference games where their conference record will be okay for. NCAA at large purposes, but regardless, I mean, really to, to sum up the week, the two games they scored enough runs to be competitive in and actually and actually have a legitimate chance of winning, they won because their pitching took care of everything. And then the two games where they didn't, where they didn't, where they were uh, ineffective offensively, getting shut out in the third game of the series against Auburn, and then only scoring one run, and not until the ninth inning on Friday night against Auburn, really kind of told the story. So it's. We've talked about how the offense on the, this team offensively just is what it is, and basically you would. The hope is that you would be competitive from an offensive standpoint three out of four games, and they simply weren't this week. And now, if you you can look at the pitching on the second game on Saturday and, and say what you want about it, but it, it in many ways it's kind of like well, go and get a bad get, get a lot of bad outings out of the way. So instead of wasting them, so it's, it's not like they went out there were up five nothing then blew the game and lost ten to five or something like that. So. It's kind of, it is what it is. This team is clearly has its identity, for lack of a better term, that essentially it's going to hover around 500. It, it has a it has a has a limited supply, but it has enough quality arms to go out and be effective against top against top end competition, especially if they can put a couple runs together. And then their fielding's been inconsistent, but if they field the ball well and pitch well, they can beat anybody in the country. So that's mm-hmm. I guess that's really that's kind of the recap for the weekend. Do you have any other thoughts, sure. Justin? Yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about um, game two of the series. I know I was texting you early in the game because uh, I was out and just listening on the radio, so I didn't, I wasn't visually understanding what was going on. But um, Bianco had a kind of an unconventional lineup in that game, didn't he? It looked like it might have worked a little bit offensively. Yeah, I, I did. He did change the lineup a little bit, and I think, I think from a manager, I'm trying to pull it up. Yeah, I think from a managerial standpoint, Mike ha- Mike made a really good. I like I like the lineup he had. I think he should. Go I don't know why it wasn't the same lineup in Game Three. I, I guess that my my best guess is that there are just some people on the outside of that rotation. You know, Holt Perzog, Tate Blackman, um, Josh Watkins. Um, who's the big freshman? Uh, Joe Waynehouse. That's what I'm thinking of. Yep. Some people. I, I mean, I, I guess John. I mean, Mike. Excuse me. Just kind of. Um, feels like he needs to get all these guys in the rotation every weekend just to see who's hot, and he didn't want to go with that second rotation. But here, I think I got it pulled up. Oh, no, this is Vanderbilt. Hold on. Mike Mike tweets out the lineups like once a week for one game, so you never know if you're actually going to get the one you're looking for. And in this case, yeah, I did not. Yeah, here, here's the first game when you were at, when the one I saw. They had Cloyd leading off, who's actually given him a little bit of a spark yeah. at the leadoff because he doesn't strike out, unlike – most of the rest of the team, although he struck out two out of his four at bats in the first game on Saturday. But regardless, so but anyway, he had would have been in the two hole and Golson hitting in the three hole. Which see, I like that. I like that a lot. I do too because it gives Woodman a little bit of protection from Golson being probably the best contact hitter on the team at this point, which kind of really summarizes the offensive status of this team when when we, when Will Golson has the highest batting average and is the best contact. Hitter. It's been a freshman all year, hasn't it? Like, I mean, the best batting average has been freshman all year. Exactly. It was Kyle Watson before Golson. Yeah, and coming in, you kept hearing about Blackman. You figure if, there, if you had said a freshman's going to lead the team in offensive production, you figure it'd be Tate Blackman, but it's been been Will Golson. So he he's going to be a good player going forward. But it also kind of speaks to the the little bit, of, really the kind of the, the lack of productions in other areas of the lineup. I mean, Woodman's been okay. He hasn't been as he's kind of had a little bit of a sophomore slump, but 
Putting him in the two hole gives him better pitches. I like that move. Bortles is there in the four hole. He's he's he really start. He's in a pretty big funk the start of the year, and he's he's looking good he's, right now. He's he's coming out of it, and part of it too is that even if like say he and Golson get going, they still need get, they still need some help at the bottom of the order. Sykes mm-hmm. is in the five hole. I think he's batting around two twenty. Um, he's probably hitting a, he's hitting better than two twenty. He's probably but he's not. But Sykes isn't really an average hitter. He's a power power bat yeah. threat. And he sees the shift just about every at bat. Exactly. But really, I mean, the game the game they won against Auburn, they get production from Austin Knight in the seven hole going two for four, four RBIs. Yep. Whereas the the real, I mean, the the part of this lineup that really makes you really makes you wonder is with the sixty nine hole with Errol Knight, Blackman, and then Kyle Watson or or Holt Perdzak or whoever they put in that. Man. So they, turning the lineup over is a real problem for this team right now. Yeah, no doubt about that. Kyle Watson cannot buy a hit at this point. I I don't have his numbers in front of me, but he is in a massive slump. Yeah, I think um, his average is down to like 220 for the season. He was out, and it was up over 400 at one point. Exactly. I mean, I mean that was obviously early on, but he was he was really smacking it uh, in the first half of the season, yeah. just completely falling off. Absolutely. Um, but that's I mean that's freshman for you. He's going to be a great player. Just like I think Blackman and Golson, uh, some of these other guys probably are going to turn out to be as well. Um, but it's just I don't know. I I don't really know what to be looking for as they move forward. Just small improvements here and there. Uh, good offensive nights or something to to really treasure when they come. Um, Ole Miss has five games coming up this week. Um, by the time you're hearing this, it'll probably be Tuesday. Uh, and they're playing Central Arkansas at six thirty in Oxford. Um, barring any weather, I'm not sure what the weather's like in Oxford right now. Um, and then on Wednesday they take on Memphis. Uh, also at 6.30 in Oxford, uh, and then three more home games this weekend uh, against Alabama starting on Friday. And it's also double-decker weekend in Oxford, so hopefully uh, some big crowds and hopefully not much rain. I know right now the forecast is um, maybe a little questionable, but let's let's hope that clears up. Um, I don't know. What do you think about this Memphis game, John? Obviously Ole Miss uh, got the win against Memphis at AutoZone Park, but uh, had to pitch Scott Weathersby and Wyatt Short, if I recall, in that game. Uh, to get the win, it's obviously not going to be an easy one. But do you think that they they could find a way to win another midweek against Memphis? Certainly hope so. I guess the benefit of the doubleheader on Saturday is that nobody threw on Sunday, so it kind of gives kind of gives the bullpen an extra day to to rest and yeah. recoup. The key and a big a key to that is going to be the Central Arkansas game the night before. If they can say, I don't, I don't know, if it's either going to be Sam or I imagine Sam and Evan are going to be the two guys starting these two game these two midweek games. Yeah, so. you, you got to think Evan's going to get the start against Central Arkansas uh, just because Sam Smith seems to be a little more dangerous right now. Um, you want him against a better team? That's my guess, but we'll see. Uh, Sam did pitch on Sunday, but Evan did not. So that would also make sense if if Evan started against Central Arkansas. It does and it, what they they need to go out and jump on Central Arkansas, have about an eight nothing lead after the third inning, and then Evan. Yeah, and then you just put Robeson out there exactly. or somebody, and you cruise. Yeah, you use kind of you can utilize more of the back end of your the you know the deep. And there's some decent there's some decent arms back there. I mean, uh, Denny decent, and uh, I really have liked Mitchell Babb. Um, in the in the outings he's had so far, I think he'll I think he'll be a solid option out of the bullpen next year. From what I've seen, he's inconsistent right now, but give him another year to to develop and whatnot. Man, that that bullpen could be um, really good next year. Yeah, they get Tarkington back too next year, which is somebody who we we is what, what year is Waggis back? He is a junior. He'll be back another year, I believe. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's a pretty deep bullpen right there, especially if you bring in a couple more arms in the off season. Um, yeah, a lot of potential. Sean Johnson coming back from Tommy John, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Um, so Ole Miss pitching should be – I mean, and the pitching's been pretty good this year. Yeah. I mean, besides the early game three uh, missteps, it's it's been much improved since then. So a lot to look forward to on that front. Um, the bats are still silent for the most part. But, you know, we'll see. There's still a little bit of time left. Ole Miss is still in pretty good shape. Uh, by all indications for the postseason, as long as they can stay above 500 overall. Obviously, as we talked about that a lot um, lately this season. But I think D1 baseball was still projecting Ole Miss as a, a, a two-seed in a regional, even with the series loss at Auburn. Um, the RPI is pretty solid right now, still at 30. Uh, they're 20-20 and 20 overall. 
and 8 and 10 in the SEC. John, I know you have some other uh, SEC numbers pulled up. You want to talk a little bit about how the rest of the SEC is doing in baseball? Yeah, which I haven't, being up here, I've been a little bit disconnected from what I, where I normally am being up here in Boston versus back at Oxford for the past four years. But it's really it, it's interesting to sit here and pull it up. And Ole Miss is fourth in the West when we what we consider a down year. I had really kind of lost touch of the fact that Mississippi State, especially given the way they had started, had really has really fallen off hard. I believe it's their nine and nineteen. Is it what's their? I forget the statistic I saw. It's like they're I say nine and nineteen or something from a certain point over the past however many games that is twenty eight. But regardless, they're six and twelve in league play, which is mm-hmm. which is not good. So well, they have a tough they have a tough remaining schedule too. Yeah, and for, um, if you're looking at from Ole Miss's up. perspective, State comes to Oxford. It is an absolute must that they win two out of three against State. Uh huh. Um, and then they also they get Alabama this weekend, who's seven and eleven. So that's two. Who's seven eleven at this point in conference? No, we get we get Alabama, um, and they get Arkansas this weekend. Yep. And Arkansas in Fayetteville, yeah. and that's that's tough. Arkansas is starting to put it together. It seems like they take took two out of three against A and M this weekend. So, oh man, state schedule is brutal. So they have so they just got swept by Florida. Their next seven games: three against Arkansas, one against Ole Miss in the Governor's Cup, three against LSU, and then three more against Ole Miss, uh, and then three against Tennessee. So. I mean, it's looking like Mississippi State could be one of the two teams that doesn't make it to Hoover this year. Yeah, it looks like State, Tennessee, and then Georgia are kind of the three teams that are really in the most danger of missing Hoover. Um, either Auburn or Alabama as well, depending on if, if they can – how one they perform down the stretch may, or may be in danger. It's really, the SEC is, does not quite – they don't quite have the depth this year from a quality of team perspective. A&M and LSU – well, I guess, well, I, I say that. I mean, they got potentially five regional hosts here. They have Florida, Vanderbilt, A&M, and LSU are all going to be regional hosts, it looks like, which is mm-hmm. four is kind of the number. Missouri's there at 12-6. and six. They're 26-14 and 14 overall. They're probably a strong two-seed at this point. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. But but overall, really, I mean, the top of the league is very good. But there's, I would say, I mean, the bottom of the league is not is not great this year. It's, I mean, tip, you're always going to have just – a notable difference in the top to bottom of the league, but essentially, I mean, Ole Miss essentially is the middle of a pack in a year where it feels like they should be more towards the bottom third, just based mm-hmm. on how things are going. But to kind of tie this back into the Ole Miss's remaining schedule, play as you mentioned, they play Alabama this weekend. They need they need to take two out of three for at home, which they're at home for three of the last four weekends. Hopefully, they can get get a little bit of a run going. Take care of business in the midweek. They travel to Missouri, which Missouri's done well in conference play, but they're not. I think they're they're good from a pitching perspective. Not the most explosive offensive team. I would imagine it'd be three low scoring games when Ole Miss travels up to Columbia for that series. And then host hosting State at home that should be a series they can win. Be interesting to see how the Governor's Cup goes this year as well. Can can Ole Miss actually Ole Miss is desperate for wins going against a State team that's having quite having a down year. Can they kind of? in that streak and get get a governor's cup victory which has been which have been few and far between over the past few years mm-hmm. then finishing up with A&M at home you you really don't want I mean you don't want to be in a position where you need to go take two out of three from A&M to finish finish the year just based off the season they've had so that'll be interesting to follow I guess I guess really yeah I mean they, like, let's let's um let's project out a little bit here John so we're at 20 and 20 right now let's say beat Central Arkansas lose to Memphis 21 21 two out of three from Bama you're going 23 22 yep. um let's say let's say they go two and two between the Governor's Cup and at Missouri which is a, which is somewhat optimistic okay. but let's give it yeah down. is that 25 24 yeah and then, yeah. And two, then two, beat two. state yeah, so that's, 27, 25. Yeah, it's two games over. And then at, Hopefully you get lucky in Jonesboro, beat Arkansas State. So that's right? 28, 28 25. 25. And then if you get, even if you got swept by A&M, you only got to win one game. Well, you have to win two uh, games you, you in would, You would then need to win a game. If you won one game against you A&M. You have to win two. Yeah. If you, if you win a game against A&M, then you're, you finish the season two games over. And then if you go you go to Hoover and you and lose immediately. the game. Well, yeah. I, well, actually, you're guaranteed at that point. Because even if you win. Yeah, game, you don't, it doesn't matter. You're going to lose once in Hoover. Exactly. So that, that, I mean, as you just laid it out, that's the formula for them to 
them to get there. Two out of three right, against so, Alabama, two out of three against State, one against A&M, one against Missouri, beat Central. But really, I mean, it's like it's like we've been talking about. These midweeks are extremely magnified right now. Because, I mean, if, if Ole Miss loses uh, Central Arkansas, Memphis, Governor's Cup, I mean, you're basically out of it. Like, you're basically not going to you're the You're going to need two point. out of three against A&M, who's potentially the top five team in the country. And, or at Missouri, and that's, and that's yeah. probably just not going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, these midweek games are extremely important at this point. So, definitely be tuning into that on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, you know, we'll keep following it. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about baseball-wise, John? I think that's it. It'll be ho- hopefully Will Stokes can get can we can see him be a little more consistent on Sunday. That's the one. That's probably the one thing you would you would like to see get better at is how how does the Sunday can we have somewhat consistent Sunday pitching down the stretch because yeah I mean last weekend against Vanderbilt it looked like Ole Miss you know had basically figured out the Sunday problem but I mean right back to square one this weekend with the fourteen to nothing. Yeah, so they'll probably go out there and throw like a Johnny Holstaff shutout against Alabama just to keep us all entertained and tease us. But we'll yeah, see how that I goes. Hope so. God, I hope so. I would, I would, I, I am happy to eat my words when I predict losses for this team. So uh, just go ahead and try me, try me, Mike. Um, all right. Well, that's gonna wrap our baseball segment, guys. Um, in this segment, we're just gonna talk a little bit about some storylines from this week. Um, you've probably heard about a lot of them. If you follow Ole Miss sports, and you obviously do listen to this podcast, um, except for my mom. Hi, mom. Thanks for listening. Uh, this is all going to be news to you. Um, one of the funniest, maybe most typical uh, things we've seen out of Starkville as far as the Egg Bowl rivalry goes in a while happened last week. I'm talking, of course, about uh, Jersey Gate or uh, Shirt Gate, or I think I think Red Cup's calling it uh shirt gazi maybe they they had a name for it that was just wonderful um basically uh mississippi state uh flagship program of adidas baseball um you know they have 40 50 uniforms a year also all kinds of other crazy gear and uh apparently adidas operating independently from mississippi state produced a custom warm-up for super bulldog weekend um emblazoned with stark vegas and kind of a, a a lights and you know glittery las vegas strip kind of a theme and hidden not very discreetly at all uh in some of the background pattern of the shirt was um a message to us old miss fans and the institution of old miss in general perhaps uh that message was f dash dash k t-s-u-n of course the school up north which is uh the nickname the Dan mullen uh, gave Ole Miss because he's too afraid to say the name, like Voldemort. Um, and <laughs> so it's, perfect. It was, it, was, it was weird, John, because, okay, basically before we saw or figured out the secret message in the jersey, it was already being mocked pretty solidly. I mean, these are extremely ugly shirts we're talking about here. So the fact that on top of, on top of making a flashy warm-up of all things, uh, they had to include this message. What do you make of this? Who do you think was really behind this? Oh, the state. Somebody in state totally said we're going to design these and wear them. Which now, yeah, a little more background. Scott Strickland uh, kind of said that his the athletic director said that Mississippi State wasn't involved. That Adidas went rogue on this one, and Adidas kind of backed him up a little bit with the statement. So go on, John. So yeah, and they basically said Adidas helped them fall on the sword. Look, they totally. I mean, they 100% intended for this. There's no Adidas accident. Adidas. They at least knew about it. Right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, somebody took the tr- jerseys out of a, out of a yes, box. Yes, that's, yeah. that's my point. They can read, right? It's pretty clear. You know, it's really funny being up here in Boston and Cambridge, and you're, you're, you're down there in Jackson, so we have, so the, I can basically yeah. tune out state. And a handful of state people that I meet up here, like at SEC alumni group, fun, but all the SEC schools will do like joint alumni function events probably every couple months up here, which is really cool. But you get to meet mm-hmm. different people and whatnot. But every state alum up here just kind of looks at the whole thing and says, you know, the obsession with Ole Miss and the whole, I guess you could call it the Jackson in-state in Mississippi component to it is really, is, is to the, even to them is annoying. And this is to me a, a classic display of the of of state's obsession with Ole Miss. I mean, 
if they were playing Ole Miss on Super Bulldog weekend, I would say okay, it would sort of make sense. But I mean, yeah, playing, it would make sense. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't right. say right exactly. I, I, I wouldn't say it's complete proof of obsession, except for the fact that these weren't warm ups for an Ole Miss game. Well, I mean, even if it was Ole Miss, putting that on your jerseys like is ridiculous, and I mean, it's really, it's inappropriate to begin with. I mean, you would. You would never see Auburn or Alabama do this, and I, I'm I'm 100% confident when I say that. And let's think about that for a second. Auburn, I mean, they have stooped below Auburn, Alabama, as far as like rivalry and hate and well, stand. Auburn, Alabama would also not wear Adidas, but maybe I'm getting away from the point. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Is State really the flagship school for Adidas? Because I for for baseball, for baseball, I L- think so. Louisville's probably beating them ahead of them this year, but it's it's close. I mean, that, that's I don't, I don't think they make as many jerseys for Louisville as yeah, they do for State. Yeah, that Stark Vegas logo just goes so far on the retail market. Oh man, regardless, it's, no, it's this it, it's I mean, from my vantage point up here, it's just like it's just something. It's just State being State, and it's it, it's it's kind of refreshing not to be there in the Jackson area have to deal with it constantly with the Clarion Ledger laying around. That's not, this is not a shot at the Clarion Ledger, just in general, like it being one of the main topics. It's like, it's like, can we, I don't get why, I mean, state just came off a very successful football season. Um, their baseball team. Well, had, did they, did they John? Cause last I checked their record was 0 and 1 on the year. That's, they lost the Egg Bowl, right? Oh, did they, they not? Well, they did. Well, yeah, outside of the Egg Bowl, I'm saying just from like they were ranked number one, they went to the Orange Bowl. I mean, uh, I, I thought you were talking about football. Mississippi State football. I thought you were talking about football. It's the Egg Bowl, but oh, sorry. Yeah. So what else? I'm just, I'm just kidding. So Go the on. other games are just scrimmages, then. They don't count. Okay. <laughs> right. It's practice. Getting ready for November. I'm, see, I'm losing. I've lost I've lost touch with how the state fan thinks, man. I'm getting <laughs> Apparently. But, but, but as we sit here and joke about it, in all seriousness, I mean, here, here's state's opportunity to go to move beyond just simply we have a rivalry with Ole Miss, et cetera, et cetera. But instead, they've just used it as a reason to further exasperate their obsession with Ole Miss, which is, you know, I really wish they would they would commit that they would make it a priority to focus on something besides just hating one institution and maybe they can make the SEC more competitive on an annual basis. But that's not the uh, objective. We don't need that. <laughs> we don't yeah. need that. That's not the objective. It's really I mean, you you tell me what's everybody's re I mean, how 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 much of an apologist tone are the state fans giving you down there in Jackson? Or are they just kind of like, are they, uh, are they in denial? Or are they like, or, or even, is there even a portion of them that look, so, look at this and go, yeah. this is stupid? There's a few, there's a few different classes of reactions that we're seeing uh, from Mississippi State fans. Some fans um, totally agree with us that it's petty, inappropriate, childish, not something that a school, a university of that magnitude or any university should be doing. Um, some are defensive. Uh, one of probably my favorite reaction from a state fan, uh, is radio host Bo Bounds on Twitter. Um, someone, someone asked him how they should explain the jerseys to their kids. And his response was, um, how do you explain Chad Kelly to your kids? It's just like, really, man, that's, that's the difference. Um, uh, a 20 year old kid getting in a fight with bouncers, having all the charges dropped down to one misdemeanor. Uh, and then being allowed to play football versus a public university printing jerseys for its team that say the F word uh, and a- another rival. I-, I don't understand how that's an apt comparison at all, um, but I guess that's how the logic works. Basically, anything bad we do, well, you've done something bad before too, so why does it matter? Um, and the third reaction is probably just like, uh, where do I buy one? I love this. you know. That, that's I live this lifestyle. Um and you see a lot of that, too. Uh, I like looking at Strickland's apology tweets and reading all the responses and all the state fans that were asking them where they could get the jerseys since they weren't wearing them anymore. Um, it was good stuff. But, you know, obviously, if you listen to this, you probably have heard about this ad nauseum. Um, we had to mention it. You know, it's fun. It's a, a fun storyline going on in Ole Miss sports right now with our uh, our lovable rivals. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, one more comment on this. Go ahead. You know, I've, I've wanted to give Strickland the benefit of the doubt. For the whole, I mean, I think he's overall he's done a good job at state. He he at least has appeared to be above like this the petty aspect of the rivalry. With that being said, though, 
at some point all of these events happen on his watch and you got to and uh for whatever reason i've been i've wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt but now i'm much more so less inclined to do so so essentially he is now i guess he's drunk i guess he's more or less drunk on the kool-aid he's passing out so but, See, I don't know. I the more I think about it, the more I feel like he didn't have any other options. Yeah. Because either okay, even if you blame someone in your department and then fire them, basically what you're admitting is we don't have good communication. Uh, lack my of, lack of my subordinates control. Right, right. My subordinates act autonomously without my input. Uh, and then basically, if you did what they did do, which was not admit that any person on there was responsible and blame Adidas. Uh, you kind of have to get your sponsor there to uh, fall on the sword for you. I mean, I don't know what else he could have done. I guess it well, it wasn't he, he, the most stand up move. He should have said we we messed up and this won't happen again, and we apologize. But instead, they blame Adidas. I mean, Ross Bjork would not blame Nike. And speaking of Ross Bjork, we actually did not put this in our script for the show. But oh, we did. We forgot about this. But he got a nice contract extension this week. Is it four? Well, raise yeah. four years, which is the maximum length of a contract for the state of Mississippi. And I believe he's got a base of $650,000 now, which the last figure I had seen was four sixty. So that's a, mm-hmm. that's about a 20. Well, no, it's a, what is that? That's more than that. 30, it's right? about a 30% yeah. raise. So, I mean, and he deserves it more than, more than anybody. Dan um, only got till what, September 14th to keep the conference <laughs> train rolling through Oxford. So let's, let's get yeah. the checkbook out and pay people that are competent. Absolutely, and uh, actually, on that note as well, the IHL has a new commissioner. Um, yeah, I have not. We're, I have not researched in who that is. I need to figure. I, need to do I actually know. I actually know the guy um, from growing up. We went to church with his family, so uh, he's a great guy. Uh, obviously, the IHL is not a great institution, but uh, we'll follow that a lot more closely as the search for Dan Jones' replacement uh, gets started here in the next couple of months. Um, but there's something what did you were mentioning. Oh yeah, Ross Bjork. Um, I mean things are just going super good under him. Uh, they're putting the tresses up at the pavilion now. The roof's going to be up in a month or two, I think. So really exciting time on campus at Old Miss. Bjork's just done so much for all the programs. Um, really happy that he got that extension. Yeah, he uh, he, I was, he and Michael Thompson on. shot a video, gave about a seven minute tour of the pavilion and the facilities. Yeah, it was awesome. It's, if you, if I highly suggest checking it out. We hope, we'll, I guess we we can tweet out a link to it for everybody's convenience as well to give you access. Yeah, it's awesome. But it's it's out there and about. So so I got a question, Justin. These Malik to State rumors mm-hmm. are kicking up, and it looks like you know a lot of it is I don't know. You get your Rose Bowl Robertsons and whatnot trying to get the PR bandwagon going. They do have a big well, name. It was. Yeah, they have a big on. name with Ben Howland now at coach, who has the credentials now. He's also – there's two sides of Ben Howland. There's Ben Howland's been in three Final Fours. There's the Ben Howland that basically alienated everybody at UCLA and couldn't get a job for two years. So we'll see which version the state gets. But any more – I guess there seems to be more smoke around the Malik to State rumor. You got any thoughts on that, Justin? Yeah, you know, um, I've I've kind of been playing Debbie Downer uh, the last week or so with my with any of my friends trying to talk about Malik because it, it does appear that um, basically the only way Malik Newman would end up at Ole Miss is if he is intentionally misleading people to make it seem like he's not going to Ole Miss. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. basically at this point, Malik would have to be doing this as part of a grand conspiracy because he doesn't talk about Ole Miss unless people ask about him. Um, it doesn't seem like he's talking about it off the record to reporters to make sure they put it in their story, anything like that. Uh, to me, at this point, it looks like a race between Kentucky and Mississippi State. And I think uh, at first it made absolutely no sense for him to go to State. Obviously, hiring Ben Howland improves their uh, their outlook substantially. He's put a lot of players in the uh, in the NBA. Um, and, and also, I think they have an advantage over Kentucky uh, in the sense that he could take as many shots as he wanted next year, which was another part of Ole Miss's pitch. Um, I'm not really sure where Ole Miss went wrong in trying to compete against Mississippi State. I mean, they have the new arena. Uh, you have to guess it would just be Howland's credentials would be the difference because Ole Miss's team uh, without Malik would be better next year than State's team without Malik. Uh, you'd have to look just at returning players, I mean, almost certainly. Um, my guess would have to be that his dad, uh, Horatio Webster, who's a he played at State, a State alum, uh, that must have a little more impact than we thought it was going to uh, if he ends up at State. He's not going to sign an LOI, he said. Um, he's going to sign scholarship papers with his school uh, and enroll there, I, th- I think, in August, maybe in the summer. I'm not sure. But uh, so really no way of knowing when we're going to hear about his commitment. 
Um, my question for you, John, um, is something we're going to discuss a lot moving forward, especially if it, if it comes to comes to pass, is Ben Howland coming in, making this big of a splash early, um, if he was to get Malik Newman and maybe some other recruits like Ray Kasanga we talked about before. Um, how much pressure does that put on Andy Kennedy, uh, who just went to the NCAA tournament, building this brand new arena, but before Howland's ever even coached a game at State, is he already putting Andy on the hot seat in that situation? Yeah, it... I don't know if hot seat's the right word to describe it, but it definitely, it, what, what it does is exasperates the Kennedy's biggest, biggest problem at Ole Miss over his whole tenure is this lack of, he's, he's been unable to find a guy and put him in the NBA. And, and furthermore, he's been able to basically have a consistent, uh, a consistent program from a recruiting perspective. It's always been a heckle and jide, bring in a transfer here, bring in a transfer there. Maybe have one guy, one or two guys like Jarvis that that come and stay for that, that come in as freshmen and are here for all four years. But that's been few and far between. Which part of it's the nature of the college game with the one and done rule. But it, for AK, it doesn't really. In, in some ways, it doesn't apply because it's not like he's bringing. He's brought in a couple a couple of lottery picks that have stayed for a year and then gone on. So mm-hmm. I mean, the, the next step, the the key for Ole Miss to take the next step in basketball is to have one guy come. One lottery pick type player come in, be successful, go to the go to the NBA, do well, and then that changes the whole perception of Ole Miss goes from a place that doesn't have an NBA history to look at this guy who's now in the NBA and he came and succeeded. So it's it's the keys to get the first domino falling for AK and that on the, from that standpoint in recruiting recruiting perspective, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, definitely. It, you got to start somewhere. It would really be a dagger for AK, I believe, who's entering season ten to watch Ben Howland come in to stay. Who's really they're still they're still they're still cleaning up from the mess that Rick Stansbury left, and mm-hmm. to have Howland come in and get the and you ha- and you have a top five NBA draft pick in the state of Mississippi, and then to have a new coach with no ties in Mississippi, but he has Adidas connections going to the aforementioned Adidas institution that is Mississippi State University. Come in, get Malik, do it for a year, and have him play for a year. It would really, it'd really be a hit to AK from a perception standpoint. I don't think it would put him on the hot seat from Bjork's perspective, but it would, it wouldn't help his relationship with the fan base, which is all, which is already interesting to say the least. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. I mean, it's just going to be one more. Uh, piece of ammunition for all the AK haters out there to lob at him. And man, I gotta, I gotta tell you, John, I like Andy Kennedy a whole lot. Um, I, I like, I like the way he talks, I like the way he runs the program. Um, but it's kind of been in the back of my mind lately. Is he ever gonna be more than the the guy on the bubble? I don't, I don't know. He's about to have the new arena. Maybe that can help with recruiting long term. But I just don't know. It's, it's definitely something we, we're gonna have to talk about a lot moving forward. Um, Andy Kennedy's legacy is is there. I mean, you have the two tournament appearances, winning his coach in Ole Miss history. But you know, as we talked about before, that's not saying too much. Ole Miss does not have much basketball history at all. Um, it, it's not a Mike Bianco situation, I'd say, where Bianco has the five super regionals um, and then that one Omaha trip is really that's really all he was missing. You know, that kind of was the cherry on top of uh, of his legacy at Ole Miss so far. But it doesn't feel that way with Kennedy's two tournament appearances. Obviously, one came um, from winning the SEC tournament. I uh, got that big win against Wisconsin. Uh, and then the other one came after a year spent on the bubble when the field was down uh, just this last season. But do, do you kind of see where I'm coming from with that, John? It, it feels like it's not just wins that he's missing. He needs some NBA presence. He needs, uh, he, needs, he needs more than making a tournament once every three to four years on average. Yeah, he needs recruiting stability. And, it, yes. and, and the, the arena is a big part of that. Um, but re- really, I mean, AK, I mean, I'd be curious to see the next couple of years if that, if that improves with the arena being in place. Now, I mean, yeah. we'll see. Like, it's interesting the timing of Malik coming in and we'll, how that unfolds. But it, I mean, Mike. My guess is Malik goes to Kentucky, but I don't. I don't know. I mean, Howland does give an NBA presence to state. I think Ole Miss. Is well, still see, I, my 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 thing with Kentucky is I don't know if he's going to get enough minutes for his liking. Yeah, it's really. I don't think he really has a big, a big favorite right now. I mean, it's. I mean, it feels like it's maybe forty percent Kentucky, forty percent state, and maybe twenty percent Ole Miss. I still think there's a shot he goes to Ole Miss, but I don't expect it by any means. So. 
I think Ole Miss has a couple things in favor, and that is the Callaway connection with Rod Taylor. Um, who Javon Patterson? Did he go to Callaway? No, he's at Hattiesburg. Right? Went to Pedal. Who am I? I'm thinking there's someone else that I'm not thinking of uh, uh, on the football. Speaks. Breland. Yeah, yeah. Breland speaks, of course. Um, some of his good friends, supposedly, and then also you have the new arena. Um, I know he likes Andy's style of play, but it, it seems like he's basically just been polite about Ole Miss lately. I really don't think there's any legitimate buzz at this point. But, you know, it could all change. I just It's hard to imagine what AK could say to him at this point in the process um, that can maybe change his mind. But obviously that would be um, a commitment on the level uh, for me, John, of Shea Patterson. But we'll see. I know that yeah. I'm not even going to try to make that argument to you. Um, I, I understand your well, love for no, Shea Patterson. No, it would be the basketball equivalent of Shea Patterson for sure, and he would yeah. he would put excitement to the program that hasn't been seen since one Marshall Henderson was an Ole Miss Rebel. Speaking <laughs> my, of my favorite Rebel of all time, yeah, we'll hit that um, one last thing in this segment here. Uh, this is great. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but John, do you remember the original tweet back when Marshall got suspended uh, in the off season of 2013? Um, it came out that he had failed a drug test, and and Aaron Andrews tweeted. Um, he's not mocking anyone. Is he mocking anyone now? Something like that. And Marshall responded. I remember this tweet because I retweeted it. I think a couple thousand people retweeted it. He said, uh, I'm going to save that and you'll be the first person I mock. Well, true to his word, uh, and true Marshall Henderson style, he waited two years and, uh, last weekend, Aaron Andrews' boyfriend, who's an NHL player, was arrested in Vegas for possession of cocaine and ecstasy. Uh, and Marshall tweeted at her, uh, yo, what's up with your boyfriend? <laughs> Man, that is too good. That's peak Marshall Henderson right there. Oh, it was great. I saw this and immediately knew what it was. I had to do a little uh, – I saw – I remember the Aaron Andrews thing. I had to do a search to figure out what what who Aaron Andrews' boyfriend was. But then I realized it's one of the – stole. Uh, I believe there's multiple stoles, stoles in the NHL, which, by, which is a quick aside. The Stanley Cup playoffs are on right now and are fantastic to watch if you're looking for a yeah. different sporting – I enjoy it. But enjoy anyway – so, yeah, so Aaron Andrews' boyfriend gets caught with cocaine and ecstasy. Is that right? The fact that Aaron Andrews' boyfriend yeah. has that just is just perfect. I don't really know what else to say because – She probably forgot who Marshall Henderson was for a second there, but he was yeah. waiting. He knew. He never forgot. Yeah. Well, Aaron Andrews is a Florida alum, too. She probably didn't like the big gator chomp down the whole sideline there in Nashville a couple of years ago. So I guess she probably took it personal. And now Marshall Henderson is trolling her back, which is great. You know, Mar- Marshall – He's never done anything to endanger or hurt anyone else, to my knowledge. It's not like he's ever got arrested for a DUI or anything that would potentially endanger anything else. It's always been he had he had uh, illegal drugs on himself, using it for recreational purposes. I mean, I think he or counterfeiting <laughs> or counterfeiting to buy drugs for recreational purposes. Counterfe- yeah, I, don't he was, he, I don't yeah. think he knew. Well, I don't know if he knew the money was counterfeit or not. That's not. He said fair. he didn't. But even if he did, I mean, he was just trying to screw over drug dealers. He was really doing a public service. Yeah, exactly. But the point is, Marshall just wants to party. He he's not malicious by any stretch of the imagination. So, the the media probably I always felt like the media was a little too hard on Marshall, and then Ole Miss probably tried to protect him too much. I mean, it really is a classic. We got to have something to talk about in 2014, 2015 because we're 21st century social media. We had to have a story, et cetera, et cetera. But because Marshall on Twitter there. When he was before he got like told before to stop, they censored him, was yeah, just awesome. I mean, well, every Wednesday he was making cocaine references with the white girl yeah. Wednesday, and and older fans didn't even realize what was going on. Everybody was using it. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. I mean, back. I mean, we caught you and I had caught onto the Marshall Murphy go to the library after the game bandwagon back in January of that year. And that was great. So much fun hanging out with those guys yeah. uh, on the weekends. Marshall was a, honestly a ton of fun uh, to hang out with at the bar. He'd never turned down a drink or a shot, and uh, he'd always hang out with you for a little bit afterwards. But uh, we miss him. We wish him well. Uh, I think he might be home in Texas for the off season, but he does play professional basketball in the Middle East um in iraq actually last time that we checked up on marshall but um you know yeah hope he hope he keeps earning respect um he's still a good player i feel like he's never really gotten the respect he deserves for what he brings to the table um he's more than just uh take a lot of shots guy in my opinion but 
it brings a lot of energy. But very, you know, very, the, very good passer that never got appreciated for that. In part because not a great defender, but besides that, he's decent. Yeah, you know, yeah, he was a good passer. Now half the time he'd be on, he, you know, he played on a team that distributing the ball and running complicated offensive plays was not exactly their specialty. But he, True. which therefore the best offense that team had was Marshall jacking a bunch of shots. But regardless, mm-hmm. so he that, that kind of didn't allow him to develop other facets of his game as well as they could have been. So. But anyway, but yeah, no, it's it's good to see Marshall's alive and well and healthy. He's trolling Aaron Andrews, which is kind of the idea of Marshall Henderson trolling Aaron Andrews is just really is sports media nirvana in a lot of ways. So, yeah, long live the king. Here's to you, Marshall. We we still we still love you, buddy. Um, no, real quick, guys, you know what I want to talk about? Something that I absolutely love, John. I know you're a huge fan too, and that's DraftKings.com. Yeah. Some of y'all might not be familiar with it, but if you like fantasy, this is your site. Football, basketball, baseball, golf, they have a one-day league for you. It lets you get in for as little as $1, no season-long commitments. It's not like traditional fantasy, so give it a shot. It's a lot of fun. Um, and, and when you do, DraftKings.com, use our promo code, VSPORTO, all caps, capital V, SPORT, and the letter O, all one word. And if you use that, you're going to get a 100% match deposit bonus up to $600. Uh, this year, DraftKings is going to give out over a billion dollars in prizes. So now's the time, guys. Start playing and start winning. So the idea for this segment, guys, came out this weekend. Uh, me and John were talking in a group message. Um, and I, John, I think you just rattled this off off the top of your head, huh? I, what gave you the idea for this? Well, I really just think about the whole state jersey thing, and then oh, we were playing Auburn, who I who just annoyed yeah. the hell out of us in general. And they had the A. They, they were showing like Gus Malzahn do the tire walk to the A Day game, and I was thinking about that. Mm. At the state, I'm like, you know, they those two schools really take take the cake when it comes to the most annoying fan bases. And I was thinking, well, how would I rank the SEC West because I quickly come to the realization that I think all of the West teams annoy me more than the East teams in general. Although, I, although, well, as I say that, we're, we're going to impromptu place Tennessee somewhere in this list as we go through this yeah, because you, you have I, for, I forgot about them. Everybody else I'm cool with in the East, but Tennessee is going to make this list by the time we're done editing out here. But regardless, I think is the starting at the top, it's really obvious that State – gets their own well they used to have their own plateau but i think auburn's right there with them i mean it's state and auburn are there together as my uh, top two fan bases that annoy me that are just annoying the most state needs no explanation they came out with the viva stark vegas baseball warm-ups that we talked about already on the podcast and then auburn is god's team because that totally decides things is completely <laughs> accurate and Auburn was fans were on the internet wondering why Georgia fans this past year were so disrespectful towards them in Athens. And it was like, you may or may not have called the Ricardo Lewis play, which is one of those once every 10 years fluke game winning hell, tip Hail Mary ball. Well, it's not even tipped Hail Mary. It's a tip. The guy catches it running and then goes another 20 yards to score, which there hadn't been. It was a, just absurd. Which yeah. happens. I've seen that happen twice in my life. It was that play, and then the Devery Henderson bluegrass miracle back, like in 2002, in the Jefferson, right in the heart of the Jefferson Pilot era of SEC games on TV. So that's how often that play happens. But then Auburn proclaimed that as an act of God, and they had the kick six game the next week. So Georgia fans promptly treated them like crap in Athens this past year, according to the internet, which I thought was fantastic. So. We'll say if if states a ten, ten being the most annoying, zero being the the friendliest. I would say states a ten. We'll say Auburn's about a nine, seven, nine, eight on the scale. I mean they're they're close. Wow, yeah, so they're at least a nine and a half because I mean. Well, yeah. Let's factor in. Let's factor in who, um, who's media. Opelika, Auburn News. Yeah. Let's let's factor in finding a way from last year. I think I have to agree with you. I I really hated Auburn. After that football game, and and Mullen Mullen doesn't try to hide the fact or be he, he's pretty direct and clear what his where his stance is. I, I respect Mullen much more than Malzahn, where Gus is all he and part of it may just be Gus doesn't have doesn't have good social skills. He does come across as a nerd, so I can understand that. But Gus, the whole they have the whole prayer circle thing, and then they're out there just as dirty as they come. The whole they're, they're also you think about. Think about recruiting stories. Auburn takes the cake when it comes to dirty recruiting. They are 
they're exceptional at it. I mean, we think about that. Uh, who is the center? Reese this Fuchs, Table Cobbleson. Yes, yeah. yeah, Table Cobbleson can correct us if we're wrong on Twitter. But essentially, Auburn is they are they're really close to state. In some way, in some ways they're worse, but state takes the cake overall just because at least Auburn recognizes there's something besides Alabama to play for, aka an SEC championship or state. I'm not even sure if they recognize the SEC championship's a game or if they just think the Egg Bowl is the championship of the universe. No, 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 John. No, if you ask any state fan, they'll tell you that the SEC championship is a game that Ole Miss has never been to. But, of course, Mississippi State has. Therefore, ergo de facto, they are the much better program historically. Yeah, Gotcha. That's how it works. Yeah. All right. So go on to your list, John. You got MSU, Auburn. Who's number three? So number three. See, now this is where we get fun and we have to start. We have to realize there are aspects of certain fan bases that annoy me much more than other aspects. So we kind of had to, we took, I'm taking the Bama and the A&M fan bases and splitting them. So Bama t-shirt fans and then the A&M core. Cadet. Let's call them. Let's call. Let's call them A Day fans because they can only go to games. That when they're free. is an excellent term. So we have. Well, there's Auburn the A Day too. Do we ever figure that out? Yes, yes, yes. That's what I figured out this week. Auburn and Alabama both call their spring games A Day. What the hell is that? What? What are you doing? That's really funny. Alabama has got. I mean, it's not Bear Bryant Day or something like we're going to honor Bear Bryant every spring. I guess maybe that's every game. Who knows? <laughs> regardless, so. Well, I'm going to say Bama A-Day fans. Okay, A-Day fans and for Bama number A-day, three. We'll say uh, Bama A-Day fans, and then I'm I'm debating whether I want to split LSU into different groups, but I, you know what? Screw it. We're going to leave them all together because Baton Rouge is just one big melting pot. So number three on this list is a tie between Bama A-Day fans and LSU. We'll no, it's, Tam, it's, it's A&M, right? And then I, I think A&M the, – the, the core is they're too easy to make fun of, and just because of that, they're not quite there. So, so they'll be fourth on the list. But there's about to be a pretty big tier here. So, to recap, so state's a ten. Let's say Auburn's about a nine a. We'll say LSU and Bama t-shirt fans are about a. We'll say they're a nine on the scale of annoying of annoyance. See, this is the this is the first time on the list where I, I I disagree with you. I like LSU fans. I like the. Yeah, and it's, I, I would totally listen to the argument to move them down. I, lo- I liked hanging out with them before the game and cooking, tailgating with them, but they're also it's all it, de- it depends on if you're if they're coming to Oxford to visit and bringing food with them, or you going down to Death Valley for an eight o'clock kickoff and they may or may not be throwing stuff at you. No, that's fair. I, it's hard to judge them as a, a fan of the team they're playing that day. But like for instance, the fact that they rushed the field after they beat Ole Miss to me that kind of humanized them. You know, that's not something that Alabama would have ever done. And they have, but like, uh, the top. LSU fans can still get excited about wins. You know. Yeah. So you know what? We're gonna mend that. So Bama, Bama eight A fans are gonna be third alone on this list at a nine. We'll say LSU. We'll put LSU. LSU is about an eight and a half, and there's parts of the LSU fan base I really like, and then there's also parts that are really annoying. So part of that is re, is, con, is context dependent. Are you playing them at night in Death Valley or not? Because then you do not like LSU fans because they. Well, yeah, and also is it like are we talking about like LSU recruiting fans because they're annoying? Like yeah. they think that every kid in the world wants to go to LSU just because they took a phone call from Les. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a good way to like participate. Well, like for instance, the best example of that is LSU fans on Twitter, John, telling us that uh, that LSU chose Felipe Franks over Shea Patterson. That's my favorite. Oh, uh, that's just you know denial. <laughs> so, dude, that is hilarious. That's so funny. It's like, oh yeah, we had this guy's brother on staff, uh, and he chose to quit and go work in another school. But we're the ones that decided we didn't want his brother on our team. Like, give me a break. That is insanity. Dickie Scruggs' checkbook outpaid the Hewing Long Legacy Hustler. That's what they say, there. right? No, that's, that's, what that's just absurdity. It's like, no, what happened is no quarterback in their right minds would want to play for your school. They've got to run the powered eye and get their heads bashed in and hand the ball off 40 times a game. Yeah, Cam Cameron was a head coach one year in the NFL, went 1-15. I mean, that does not exactly speak well for quarterback development. Yeah, I mean, LSU's got a lot of strong points in their team, but it's not quarterback play. And Shea Patterson was not going to play in that offense. Yeah. Regardless, so we'll right. we'll put LSU we'll leave LSU together. We'll have to we might have to think about a minute later how to partition the fan base. But regardless, we'll put them fourth on the list. 
Um, Let's just do LSU fans that are cooking for you and LSU fans that aren't cooking yeah, for you. Yeah, we'll so LSU fans that aren't cooking for you are tied with – or no, they're tied with uh, Bama 8A t-shirt. Okay. So we'll put them there. LSU fans that cook for you will be much further down the list because they're fun to be mm-hmm. around. Uh, for, so that's tied for third. Fourth on the list, we'll put the A&M Corps Cadet, Corps Cadets because they are just too damn easy to make fun of. Just lame, just yeah. lame. I still don't know what they're doing with their yells and whatnot, but it's apparently it doesn't work. <laughs> it's cute, I guess. I don't know. Regardless, but I don't know for for the biggest stadium ever or whatever. It was pretty quiet when Ole Miss was up twenty-one to nothing last year. Yeah. So we'll say the core the core turds are about an eight on the annoyance scale. So now we're gonna we're gonna put a canyon between that and the next bracket. So they're about an eight, and the next next level will be about a five, to where they annoy you because if they beat you, but you're really okay with, but they don't beyond that, it's not particularly annoying. I'm gonna. Well, how about the, how about the teams that besides the week they're playing you, you don't really care if they win or lose. Exactly. I just realized I forgot to put Tennessee in the top bracket. We will do them last. We'll have to go back and edit them in. But well, uh, let's. Just, I mean, let's just, Tennessee after Drew Richmond and all that crap. Let's just say that this year we hate Tennessee more than ever. Well, Tennessee's they're always annoying. They're right. They're they are tied with Bama eight eight t shirt fans in general because all Tennessee fans are like Bama eight eight t shirt fans. I can't That's true. I can't distinguish between a non-Tennessee alumni Vol fan and a Tennessee alum Vol fan. They're hard to distinguish. So they, well, it's like excuse. By the way, my roommate's dog is howling in the background. So sorry about that, guys. That isn't uh, just, that isn't just, a Tennessee mascot. Just telling Smokey to you know take a exactly. Hike. No, that's Smokey you hear whining in the background. Yeah. No, I mean the best thing about Tennessee fans, all you have to know is you can beat them twenty-four to three, and they'll still gloat over recruiting. You know, just in the next breath. So. That's the kind of fans we're talking about here. Yeah. Anyway, so, so finish up this list. So I'd say that the, what we have left are the a the uh, the normal A and M fans, the quote unquote normal A and M fans. We have Arkansas fans, and then we have Bama alumni. So and we have uh, LSU fans cooking for yeah, cook for So I'm gonna say out of those, Arkansas is kind of weird. We'll say that they're I guess we're where are we on this fifth on the list. They're about a five on the scale. You could maybe argue they're a six, but I'm I'm okay with Arkansas fans. See, Arkansas fans are crazy, yeah. but you're not gonna see them unless you go to Arkansas. So I mean, what exactly. I mean, they're not gonna come annoy you. So yeah, I I really hate Arkansas in basketball. That's that's where they really get under my skin because I. I don't know why. For some reason, I always feel like their teams overperform their talent level and especially are way too cocky for their talent level. Yeah, maybe that's just me. they are overconfident, but they like keep to themselves and their little cult up there in Fayetteville. So they don't really – if they were closer, then it'd probably be higher on this list, but they're not. So Yeah. We'll- so basically the final three, Arkansas fans, LSU fans who are cooking for you, and then finally Alabama alums. You know, the people yeah, that actually me, the support best, the program. To me, the best fans are the Bama alums. That's what that's the other I agree. I agree with because that. Because they actually, they, they get it. They know how to handle success to a, in a good standpoint of view. To uh, a certain degree. The, A&, the A&M alum that I know for overall are, are, are good and, and solid. There's there's a group that's too obsessed with the traditions in the core because the tr- their traditions are silly. But in general, they get it. And they kind of know how to make fun of themselves. Like I said, our, I mean, I think... Go ahead, John. And, and then L, probably third would be LSU fans cooking for you. Those are the top three groups to be around, in my opinion. Gotta love them. So Yeah, and, and something that we didn't even talk about when we were talking about this segment beforehand, um, you know, we can we can take shots at ourselves, too. I'd say that uh, the traditions crowd is solidly in that first tier of awful SEC fans. That is a very good point, and it needs to be acknowledged and mentioned on this. So, if you, and if anybody wants to have a discussion with us on Twitter, we will engage, and we will engage at our... <laughs> We'll selectively engage and do so. We can. Clarify. I wish. I would hope anyone that's listening this long to us talk probably knows us and are friends with us, and therefore knows that we are not the type that care about things like Colonel Reb and the Confederate flag and stuff like that, and really just think of that stuff as something that brings our school down. So, yeah. if you're someone that still talks about Colonel Reb, you are solidly in the top three most annoying fan bases in the SEC West. I'll say that. Yeah, I'm trying to. Th- well, they're not. They're still not worse than state fans. Um, I'd say yeah. But, I'd say they're after Auburn. They're if you love Colonel Reb, you are as bad as the A Day fans at Alabama. Yep. Yep. That's my take. That's, I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. 
So, yeah, that's uh, that's how it is, guys, from our opinion. If you're listening to this and you want to tell us who you think is the most annoying fan base in the SEC West, why don't you tweet at us, at SharksAFTRDark. You can find me and John also on Twitter on our own personal accounts. We'd love to hear from you, and we definitely mention your tweet on our next episode. Um, you know, we have an email address too, John. I haven't mentioned that in a while, LandStrikesAfterDark at gmail.com. We've got a website, LandStrikesAfterDark.com. Um, and of course, you can listen to us on Rebel Sports Radio. Download the app, guys. Get in the app store. It's great. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. All of that good stuff. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We had fun. It was a fun week. Um, catch some Ole Miss baseball this week, and uh, we'll see you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.